Hey everyone, it's Celine. The Dreamcatcher podcast recently celebrated its fifth anniversary. Since 2018, we have done over 130 interviews with prominent thought leaders in personal growth and spirituality. If you recently joined our community, you may have missed some of the great guests we have had in the past. That's why I decided to republish two older interview episodes per month so that you can enjoy content from the past. I hope you like listening to this past episode as much as our newer content. Be sure to subscribe, share, and rate this podcast if you haven't already. Thanks. Welcome to the Dreamcatcher Podcast, a place where you'll receive a boost of inspiration, practical advice, and tools to maximize your success and personal happiness. And that's not all. You'll also get plenty of guidance on how you can use your gifts, talents, and compassion to contribute towards making the world a better place. Be sure to sign up for our free weekly newsletter for a preview of what's in store and to also receive a free ebook. To sign up, simply visit www.thedreamcatch.com. Now it's my pleasure to introduce you to the host of the Dreamcatcher podcast, Celine Chinoy. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Dreamcatcher podcast, a place where your dreams can find a voice. Have you ever asked yourself, what is the secret of genius? All of us have this dream of tapping into the infinite potential of our minds and creativity. My guest today, Michael J. Gelb, has invested years of study and research to understand some of the most brilliant creative geniuses of our times. Michael is the world's leading authority on the application of genius thinking to personal and organizational development. He is a pioneer in the fields of creative thinking, innovative leadership, and executive coaching. Michael is the author of 17 books, including How to Think Like Leonardo da Vinci, Discover Your Genius, and Innovate Like Edison. His books have been translated into 25 languages and have sold more than 1 million copies. Needless to say, I am so excited to have him on the show today. Join me for this riveting interview where Michael offers his insight into the secrets behind real genius and how we can tap into our own. In our conversation, Michael describes the seven steps to developing our mind and creativity so that we can reach our highest potential. As always, if you enjoyed what you heard, please hit the like button, share, and subscribe for future episodes. Hi, Michael, how are you doing? Fabulous, thank you. Yeah, it's an absolute honor to have you on the show. I am such a big fan of your work. Your books, How to Think Like Da Vinci and How to Discover Your Genius are staples in my personal library. So I'm really appreciative that you made some time to speak with us and share your immense knowledge. I always have time to speak with Renaissance individuals such as yourself. Okay, thank you. (laughs) So 
I want to start out by learning a little bit about your story. You've had a prolific career as an author, a speaker, a thought leader, and an advocate for several causes. Are there any early experiences that sparked your interest um, in learning about the human mind and more specifically, genius thinking? Hmm. Well, I'd say that the genius thinking aspect came later, although I was introduced to Leonardo da Vinci by my Italian grandmother when I was about seven years old, and he did become one of my childhood heroes along with Superman. And I remember when I discovered that Superman was just a comic book character, but Leonardo was real. And my real focus on the mind evolved through a complex of influences. The first was that my mom went back to college after she left college to have a family. She had three boys, because that's just what you did in those days. Mm -hmm. And then she was getting into the middle of her life and she thought, wait a minute, I want to keep learning. And she was really interested in, in the mind. So she went back to school and went all the way through to a PhD in psychology and began working in the local mental health clinic in Passaic, New Jersey. And even more personally than that, you, know, you can imagine how difficult that was for my dad, who was a surgeon, going to work every day, used to coming home. That was the old paradigm. Dinner would be ready. He had a long, intense work day. And he had to change his habitual way of operating to support my mom in fulfilling her dream. And he rose to the occasion and, and, and was amazing. But you might imagine that this caused some stress. But I, my parents dealt with the stress and the issues by deepening their dialogue. They worked with a counselor at one point, and I saw the positive, powerful effect of understanding one's own proclivities and tendencies and being more compassionate and empathic about someone else's and that that was the key to keeping a relationship together in a very personal way. A lot of my parents' friends all separated and divorced because they didn't, people weren't really prepared to deal with the changing construct. But my parents rose to the occasion and I think I just got from them this sense that you could, it was a wise thing to do to learn about the mind. And then there was another element, which was when I was getting ready to decide what to study in college and what to do in graduate school, the world was probably, it was the last time the world was as messed up as it is now. <laughs> I don't want to give away your age, but was this in the 1950s or? The <laughs> well, this I was born in 1952, so this is the okay. 60s. This is the 60s. Okay. 1968 was incredibly traumatic year in the United States of America. Yeah, the Civil War, right? Was happening at that time? Well, the Vietnam War. Yeah. Uh, there were uh, 
assassinations of beloved national figures. Uh, there was tremendous racial discord. There was grave divisiveness. So kind of like everything that's happening now, except uh, the, the conflict is playing out in different theaters. Mm-hmm. And I was interested in politics, and I thought of, of, of majoring in political science, but I thought political thinking isn't what's going to solve this. What, 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 where there's hope is, is, is people having a deeper understanding of, of what, are, what are fundamental human needs and values, and how can we come up with new ways to, to meet people's needs and help them express their values? Because whenever people argue from a position, things usually get worse. So I learned very early that how do you help people go suspend their position and look to the values and the needs that led them to adopt that position so that they can think creatively about finding other ways to meet everybody's needs and benefit this is an old-fashioned phrase called the common good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so so that's, that's what led me to study psychology and philosophy and then the integration of body and mind and consciousness. And that's what really launched me on my, on my path. Okay. Okay, that's interesting. So it seems like what you discovered is that emotional intelligence is just as important as... A high IQ. Uh, maybe even more so when it comes to human happiness mm-hmm. and fulfillment. Okay. I mean, I also realized the other thing I learned, this was also around the time that Gardner was doing his research at, at Harvard, on, uh, eventually published in Frames of Mind, which introduced to the public the idea, two revolutionary ideas. One, there's more types of intelligence than just IQ. So there's other types of intelligence beyond analytical and verbal, beyond mathematical and verbal, like what we all took in the SATs. There's other types of intelligence, like emotional intelligence, musical intelligence, mechanical intelligence, spiritual intelligence. So first, there are multiple types of intelligence. And then equally revolutionary, the notion that intelligence can be developed. It used to just be thought when I was growing up, it was, the, 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 the belief was you were what you were that was pretty much determined by age seven and there wasn't anything you could do about it. Mm-hmm. Plus, when you hit age 30, whatever you were, it would start to get worse and there was nothing you could do about that either. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I think culture also plays a big part in that as well. Huge. Yeah. But scientifically, that was, the, that was the accepted belief. And scientifically, in the last 30 years, we've, we've utterly transformed that understanding. Just, I mean, Copernicus came along and changed our understanding of our place in the solar system. Mm-hmm. That it wasn't earth-centric it was sun-centric and that revolutionized people's understanding of of everything just like darwin did the same thing with with evolution and einstein did the same thing with our understanding of space 
space and time. So uh, Thomas Kuhn wrote this classic book called The Structure of Scientific Revolutions. And he introduced the idea of a paradigm shift where the fundamental way we look at the world is transformed. So that's what Copernicus did. That's what Darwin did. That's what Einstein did. But that's what neuroscience has done in the last 30 years. Because the whole notion of neuroplasticity, that your brain is brain is flexible and adaptable, that it can change and evolve, and neuroneogenesis, the notion that you can actually generate new brain cells as you get older. Mm-hmm. So the only question then becomes, it's not the, what we've all now learned and, and neuroscience agrees on is your brain is actually designed to improve with use. The only question is, what's the best way to use it? Mm-hmm. And that's why I write all these books. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and we sure need it. Uh, but yeah, you briefly touched on this. Most people do believe that genius you know, they associate the word genius with being book smart and academically brilliant. How do you define genius? Well, I define it on different levels. There's, there's historical, global, transcendent, great genius. So those are the people who change the way humanity understands itself and I, and I add a caveat, for the better. So I'm not, I'm not interested in evil genius. Oh, yeah, <laughs> like Hitler or <laughs> Stalin. Because they, they were considered geniuses in their own way in terms of their tactics and strategy, right? So Well, they, what's great is they, 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 they don't usually have a lasting – they don't have a lasting influence uh, in, in any positive sense. And they usually, their empires usually crumble and they, they, they usually die in, in misery and dishonor. So yeah. uh, one could go into a you know, whole, uh, uh, you could write a book on discovering your evil genius. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's not my passion, as you can tell. So I'm, I, I'm fascinated by the people whose whose exploration, whose curiosity led them to change the way we think about our world and ourselves forever. So that's why I love Leonardo da Vinci, because he changed people's idea of what a human being is capable of. He was a genius in all of the multiple intelligences. And even better, he left specific practical instructions on how you can develop your genius. So that doesn't mean we can all be like Leonardo da Vinci or Einstein or these transformational global geniuses, but each of us has our own unique gifts and we can use the inspiration and the guidance and the models of these great mega geniuses to bring out and express our own brilliance, our own potential, which for many of us lies dormant. Right, and did you find any commonalities with these global geniuses? Like what made them different from the average Joe? Yes, a wonderful question. So they're wildly curious. 
they real and and what they're cu curious about is something big. So that's the difference. Uh, you might, let's say you there's geniuses on another level, which is you might change your industry, or you might change your company, or you might change your community for the better with a a creative initiative. And, and, and that's a reflection of the kinds of questions you ask every day. If you're asking, what can I do to create a great company or a great nonprofit? Or what can I do to serve my community? Or how can I uplift the people around me? You can become a genius in your sphere of influence. But these all-time great geniuses, they, what they were focused on, on is ultimately figuring out how everything works. Uh, I like to say of Leonardo da Vinci, he wanted to know the mind of God. Everything else was just details. They want to know ultimate truth. They want to understand the, how the universe works, how it all fits together. And they're, they're relentlessly passionate in considering things that they don't know about. That's the, they, they don't require the, the false security of certainty. They're, mm. they're adventurers of, of, of the mind, they have amazing courage to question yeah. everything. Yeah, and that's not typical in society. I mean, uh, a lot of people find themselves in circumstances where they don't have that luxury, maybe because of their uh, socioeconomic status or they don't have mentors or people who nurture that brilliance in them. Well, what's so great is that's right. And that's, that's why, that's part of what motivates me to write these books, to do these conversations, to spread the, the goodness. I, I did a podcast yesterday with a wonderful host and he told me about his story. He's got a huge following all over the world. He's written his own book. And he was a high school dropout. And he was headed in a very bleak direction in his life. And he met one person who, who told him, you're capable of more than this. And he said this person was sincere and genuinely kind and loving and contactful and started to give him books to read and just gave him encouragement. And it wasn't, it wasn't somebody from his family. It was just somebody he was lucky enough to meet who kind of adopted him. He said, and it completely changed his life. And now he's this inspirational speaker and a coach and an author. He's got a big podcast. All it takes is one, one person right. or one book. Yeah, for me, it was books because I, I didn't have those mentors myself. So I had to. Yeah, <laughs> I was fortunate to have that uh, curiosity. I just had an intuitive knowing that I that there's more out there. Um, yeah. So. So, yeah, I just think that's key. You're you're so so right in saying that curiosity is what will drive this whole to really tap your potential. Curiosity and willingness to to explore. It takes courage. It takes it courage. Take courage. Yeah. And, and you mentioned you know, some, it's a lot easier if you have material security. Yeah. It's a lot harder if you're wondering where your next meal is going to come from or how you're going to put a roof over your head. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And yet it's also quite, that's why it's great reading stories of people in grave circumstances, in poverty. In, I read Viktor Frankl, Man's oh, yeah. Search for Meaning, and he talked about discovering a sense of meaning, purpose, and loving kindness in the worst conditions imaginable. And I remember reading that, that changed my life because I thought if he can do that in a concentration camp and then become an inspiration to generations of people, well, then certainly I, in my much more comfortable circumstances, can find a way to create meaning for myself and be of service to others. So, so one of the principles, and you've obviously practiced this and now you are manifesting it yourself by doing it for other people, is to surround yourself with genius, with inspiration, with truth, with beauty, with goodness, with aspiration, every way you can. So every time people pick up their phone, they have a choice. Do they want to go into the seductive, just bizarre addiction world of mindless rubbish, (laughs) Or do they want to click on spiritual teaching, poetry, the greatest music ever written? The the you know you can hear the 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 speeches of Winston Churchill Mm -hmm. in his own words. I I, I had a client who was trying to help his uh, CEO client of mine, and we were working on. He had to write a series of messages and give a series of speeches to his company. Uh, in the in the midst of the lockdown to try to keep people focused and 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 safe and engaged and he asked me to help him write his speeches i said i'm going to help you write the speeches i said but to to give you a sense of what you want to project to people mm-hmm. i sent them the link to the original speeches of of winston churchill so, you know, it's tough if, you know, your company's having uh, layoffs or furloughs and, and the economy's down and you're whatever. But it wasn't as tough as getting bombed 56 nights in a row when it seemed like your, your country could be destroyed and taken over by vicious totalitarian uh, forces. Yeah, yeah. And you're alone in a, you know, you're by yourself in a bunker mm-hmm. speaking into a microphone to inspire a whole nation. <laughs> yes, um, completely different uh, mindset, really. Right? But right now, each one of us, I call it becoming the curator of your soul. Mm-hmm. And, and if you have a family, you have to do that for your family. Because what, what's in these things is so powerful for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. But the way they're designed is not for better. They're designed to capture you on a default setting to to get hold of your nervous system and not let it go by playing on your fears and your anxieties and your your greed and your lust <laughs> basically that's yeah that's, those those basal lower instincts right that, and that's so that's and that that's the, that's if you don't consciously decide where to go that's what's lurking for you right here so yeah. you better consciously decide where to go. And I got to tell you, you know, if you look at what I type into my 
browser or into my YouTube. It's it's things like Winston Churchill, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Ramana Maharshi, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Donald Hoffman on speaking on consciousness mm-hmm. uh, and math, you know, the mathematics of consciousness. Mm-hmm. So it's it's and okay, it's also comedy. I, I like comedy, and it's also sports. I'm following the basketball finals. Okay. So, so, but that's there's nothing in there that is anything other than something enriching to life. But yeah. what ads pop up on my, if I, you know, what gets through my blocker and pops up, it's, it's not uplifting. And if I don't instantly delete it, if I, if I get caught in it, if I ever click on it, and that's, that's me, the author of all these books, who's, con- who's teaching everybody else to be curious. I have to be careful. Right. So what about what about a 17-year-old? What about a 25-year-old? Yes. Right, who doesn't have that that background. Awareness, right, right. So just having this a healthy mental diet. Yes, well said. Yes. Okay. Okay, that's yeah, that's something the younger generation really needs to be aware of cuz there's a lot a lot out there that can distract you. I mean, I was probably one of the last generations. I'm a millennial um, who grew up without the internet and uh, from my during my childhood, so I was spared <laughs> from all that the onslaught of stimulation. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so my next question is about the seven steps to genius, as described in your book. Um, would you be able to describe a couple of them very briefly, the ones that you think are most most important for people to know about? Sure. Well, they're all important. They're all important. Ah, right. ah, ah. <laughs> but there are seven, so I don't want to... No, it's know. okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it's important to get that they form a system. Yes. So I'll take you through them really fast. Okay. Be curious. The questions you ask every day determine the quality of your life. Think for yourself. Be an independent thinker. Surround yourself with beauty and sharpen your senses. Learn to smile in the face of uncertainty like the Mona Lisa. Use your whole brain, art and science in harmony. Balance your body and mind. Cultivate your energy, your mental diet and your actual diet, diet and your exercise and your rest. And then make new connections because that's what geniuses do. Geniuses look at the same thing everybody else sees, but they see it in a new way. So those are the seven principles. And you can see each one, if you're curious, that, that's, that's the reason it comes first is if you're not curious, everything else is irrelevant. You're not going to be asking how to do these other principles. And then cultivating critical, independent thinking, really important, probably more important now than ever before. So each one builds on the next. Okay. Yeah. I, I, and how do people develop this awareness? Like what, I mean, uh, you know, most of, most of us have been raised by, uh, have been exposed to mainstream culture and it's difficult to get into that curious mindset. So what, what can be done to really induce that? Yeah, well, that's the big question, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> people, you see my my logo here. 
Yes. So you, like you had within you this, this flame, this spark. Right. Somehow, as soon as something enlivening or creative or outside of the hypnosis of mass culture came your way, you, you were receptive. You wanted to then nurture that flame within yourself and share it with other people. That's right. Right? So what gets people to wake up? I mean, a lot of times you know what it is. It's when somebody close to them dies. It's mm-hmm. when they get in a car accident. It's when they lose their job. It's when they go through a divorce. They get a cancer diagnosis. They go through some kind of terrible trauma and they ask themselves the question, what's, what's the meaning of all this? People also ask this question. This is one of my favorite questions that people ask themselves. It leads to great change in creativity. People say there must be something more. There must be a better way. So if, if people are completely seduced and hypnotized by mass culture, and going along thinking this is it, I, you know, I do suggest to them the best I can. I, I try to get through and wake up. And I tell people, don't wait until somebody dies. Don't wait for a divorce. Don't wait till you lose your job. Don't wait till you get a diagnosis. Don't wait till you're on your deathbed. Wake up now. Because this life is so precious and so fleeting. Yeah. And if you're sleepwalking through it, I mean, you know, a lot of people, they, they, they you know, go listen to uh, all these interviews of people on their deathbed. They, what, right? what, when they're talking about what do they regret? They regret not dancing more, not being more joyous, not being more generous, not learning the thing they always wanted to learn, not taking the the risk to do the thing that would give them the greatest fulfillment because they they always regret that they went along with whatever the standard programming was. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know a lot of people, the thought of death sounds morbid, but it can be a great motivator. Well, whether you think it's morbid or not, it's it's one thing we can guarantee. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know it just, that's true. It, that's true. It just so. Yeah. And 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 here's the life wouldn't be meaningful if you just went on like this forever. Yeah. It just there'd be no. The game is so much more interesting. You have this window of of presence here. Mm-hmm. And you don't, there's also no guarantee how long exactly. it will be. Yeah. I mean, I, one thing that does happen, at least it, I was blessed. In my early life, there was, there was very little death. I, mean, my, my, I have my, my grandparents were around. They lived into their late 80s. So I grew up with you know, grandparents. My parents are still going strong. My dad's 93. My mom is 89. And I just went to visit him the other day. Nice. Cooked them some great food and and, and had a 
know, great conversation with them. They're just as sharp as they've always been. You know, their bodies have suffered. They've been through unbelievable stuff, but their minds are as sharp as, as, as they could be. They're amazing people to interact with. You should write a book about the secret to their longevity. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But, but I have to tell you that, you know, one of my best friends got ill and then he was gone in less than a year. And he was one of the most vital, powerful people that I know. Brilliant, uh, physical, mental, incredible character. Uh, and younger and much younger than me and boom he was just gone and then another friend of mine uh, also younger than me one day massive heart attack done so whether you some people grow up and they've lost their parents and their grandparents and their brothers and their sisters and they've experienced terrible loss other people like myself are blessed to have amazing continuity through a lot of life but then eventually you start to notice this is impermanent so so and this is where the spiritual quest is is the is the most important thing i think to know in life is why are you here and what is what is the constant in in our being what is the constant? What doesn't change? Because everything else changes. Your, your thoughts change. Your body changes over time. And then it disappears. Your emotions go up and down in the course of the day. But what is it that, that is constant? And I encourage people to search for that. Search for what is constant and true within your own being. Because when you connect with that within yourself, you have a sense of peace and freedom that prevents you from, it's a funny thing, is that one of the secrets of life is to play your roles with poise and grace to the best of your ability, but to remember that they're all roles. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. So essentially finding the sense of rootedness and being grounded, uh, even through all the changes that happens internally and externally. Yes, yes. Okay. Okay. All right. So um, just very quickly, besides your amazing books and all the other resources that you offer, do you recommend any tools or techniques that people can use to start tapping into their creative genius? Yes. Here's a slim little book I recommend. Okay. It's called Who Am I by Sri Ramana Maharshi. Maharishi, okay. And never heard of that. I mean, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's 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 really it's the slimmest little <laughs> that'll make a lot of people happy. <laughs> <laughs> What's amazing is, so he was this great sage uh, who was based in in India. And his teaching is the simplest and most elegant. It's just to inquire within, to look at what it is within ourselves that is unchanging. 
And what I love about it is I, I, I call uh, one of my favorite quotes is from a social critic who says, I don't believe in anything you have to believe in. So I'm not a belief oriented person and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a faith oriented person. I'm an evidence oriented person. Mm -hmm. So what I like about the teachings of uh, Ramana Maharshi is he asks you to look within yourself and figure out what you can validate for yourself. How can you know yourself? What is constant in your experience? And what can, what can you discover for yourself? So when you discover that, you realize that what you, that there's a, well, I'll just get, you know, my own experience is the one constant in my experience is the awareness of my experience. So when I shift my focus from the objects that are informing my experience, and contemplate the source of experience itself. I find this vast source of potential energy and inspiration. Mm-hmm. And you know, this is look. This is something every great genius throughout history says. They never say, "I'm such a genius. I'm so smart." Blah blah blah. I no. They say, uh, you know, whether it's Bach or Einstein, whether they're religious or not, whether they attribute it to nature or cosmic mind or cosmic intelligence or to the Buddha or to uh, Brahma or Christ uh, uh, or whoever, they all point to something. The muses, if you go back to the ancient Greeks, Mm -hmm. they all point to something beyond their everyday chattering mind. So exploring what's beyond your everyday chattering mind, the source of awareness, is a big clue to the source of creativity and genius. Mm-hmm. And do you think practices like meditation and things like that to quieten the mental chatter, do those help? Well, all I can tell you is I've been, I've been doing various forms of meditation. Yeah, I read that. <laughs> you know, for the last, uh, I think I started, oh my God, so Time ago. <laughs> I started. I started about forty-nine years ago. Okay. Wow. Uh, and now I, I especially focus on, uh, especially practice uh, meditations from ancient uh, Chinese lineages in the tradition of Qigong. Oh and, yeah, yep. And, I've heard uh, of that. Yes. And I do Tai Chi every day. Tai Chi. Uh, having studied all these different things, because I'm a movement-oriented person, I like moving meditation. I have right. so much energy that it's hard for me to ever just sit still. So instead I do these beautiful movements and the movements seem to quiet my mind and create a sense of oneness or connectedness with nature and the universe. And then better quality ideas begin to emerge. And then I put them in these books. How about journaling? I mean, I, for me, I found journaling really helpful because I'm I, I I love to write. So for me, I feel like my stream of consciousness really comes through when I'm writing. 
So in, in the first recommendation in how to think like Leonardo da Vinci is journal, keep a notebook and do stream of consciousness. Yeah. And what's interesting is uh, Thomas Edison told the people who worked in his laboratory to do the exact same thing. And so did pretty much every great genius who ever lived. The first thing they tell their students is keep a journal, write down your ideas, and effectively let the stream of consciousness flow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Michael, those are some great suggestions. Thank you so much. Um, so is the best place to find you at your website, michaelgelb.com? Yes, michaelgelb.com, G-E-L-B, michaelgelb.com. People can sign up for our free newsletter, and then we'll keep you in touch with, we're doing lots of online trainings and mm-hmm. really fun, fun stuff. Some of it's free. Some of it is a fabulous investment that will change your life. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure they are. And you're on social media too, right? They can find your, your LinkedIn, all that stuff. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Michael, I'm so glad we, that we got to connect today. And I'm certain that everyone who listens to this is going to benefit tremendously. So thank you for sharing your work with us. It's so wonderful to be with you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed what you just heard, please subscribe to my podcast and feel free to share it with your friends and family. Take care and speak soon.